welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Castro, and I am actually at Kirkland Cancer Center today talking with Miss Melissa McMahon and Dr. Gregory Franz. Like I said, they're at Kirkland Cancer Center and we're going to be talking to Miss Melissa about her cancer journey. Before we do that, first off, hello, good afternoon. How are you? Fine, how are you? I'm doing all right. Dr. Franz, how are you? Good, thank you. Good, thanks for coming on today. So I want to get to know you guys a little bit better before we kind of dive into the topic. So, Miss Melissa, just tell me what you do, what you do for a job, and then, you know, what you like to do outside of work. If you have family, dogs, traveling, whatever it is. So just tell me who you are. All right. Well, currently I'm retired, but I come from a long history in healthcare. Okay. I come to a pharmaceutical research company and actually have 18 years of clinical trial research experience. Wow. And That's amazing. at the time that I was diagnosed with cancer, I had a 10-year stint as an administrator at an assisted living and memory care facility. Okay, so you've been around healthcare for yes. a while now. That's Long amazing. Time. That's yes. awesome. Well, cool. Well, and as far as myself, I love to travel. Uh, with being in pharmaceutical research, I've had the opportunity to travel all, sure. all over the world and have done missions trips in other countries, mm-hmm. Africa, Mexico. And I guess currently right now, the main thing I'm involved in has been Mrs. Claus. That's what most people know. Mrs. Yes. Claus. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's. Yeah, I happen to be married to Santa, so I got yeah. the role by default. I think my wife now has a new goal for her life. Yeah. She doesn't know it yet, but I'll let her know that. But we minister. <laughs> we use it as a ministry, and we minister to lots of children yeah, in this whole area. That's amazing. Where's the your favorite place you've ever traveled to? Well, let me see. I guess it would have to be England. England. That's yes. on the list for me to go to. That's awesome. That's cool. So, Dr. Franz, tell me about you. Sure. Uh, I know you're a, a physician at sure. so, KCC. Um, I'm Gregory Franz. I'm a medical oncologist and hematologist. been here at Kirkland almost five years. I've been in practice about 15 years. As a medical oncologist, I treat uh, a whole plethora of different types of cancers, solid tumors, liquid tumors. Here at Kirkland, you know, we're a very busy center, and uh, we see... You know, pretty much everything under the whole cancer treatment spectrum. Sure. Um, I've never known that there was a difference between a solid tumor and a liquid tumor. Yeah, so, the, the, you know, that differentiation is, you know, solid tumors would be cancers like uh, breast cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer, mm-hmm. versus liquid tumors. We're talking typical, um, you know, leukemias, lymphomas, myelomas, oh, I see. you know, blood and bone marrow cancer. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, so Ms. Melissa, tell me what kind of cancer you had and what your diagnosis was. Okay, it was non-small cell lung cancer, uh, EGFR gene mutation. Okay. Stage four. It metastasized to the brain mm-hmm. and to the hip. And actually, when it was initially found, it was already in every lung field. Wow. Of multiple tumors in every lung field. Wow. So were you both having... Lungs. Both lungs. Yes. Wow. So what prompted you to seek medical help? Were you having symptoms or having issues, breathing? I just or? had a virus. You just had a it virus. It just hit me like a ton of bricks, like the flu. Wow. And just as a course of trying to find out you know, why I had 102 fever and felt mm-hmm. like I had the flu, it was just an incidental chest X-ray that caught it. Wow. 
And the only symptom looking back on it that I really had was I just kept saying I've lost my stamina. Mm-hmm. But I had had surgery and had been off work for about eight weeks, uh, about a year before. So I thought just during that course of time where I was inactive that I had lost my stamina. Yeah. So really, it was nothing that I would ever have sought medical attention for. And it was already that far advanced. Wow. So have you ever been a smoker? Never. Never smoked? Never smoked. That's good. So can you tell me about her diagnosis? Absolutely. Um, So Melissa, you know, presented to me, it's been quite a while now. I want to say March of 2019. Okay. uh, When I first saw her and as she just eloquently described her extent of disease at that time, she, she presented with de novo metastatic non-small cell lung cancer, adenocarcinoma, um, with de novo that just basically that just means from the get go, right. Or right off the bat. And she had a very extensive tumor board burden. Most importantly, she had brain mets, which again needed to be dealt with up front. Mm-hmm. As she mentioned, she was a never smoker, non-smoker, which was very important in her history. Um, because again, this was obviously a very distressing, a very catastrophic sure. uh, moment in her life. But despite all that, she presented with with a lot of grace, a lot of strength in, mm-hmm. her, in her faith and her belief system with her faith and with her family. Yeah. And despite all this stress, she, again, was very brave and she was very calm mm-hmm. and very measured in her thought process and with her hope for the future. And the reason that's important is I immediately said, listen, because she was she was resigned to whatever, you know, her faith had in store for her. Sure. But I said, listen, let's let's hold on to some hope here because from what you're telling me and from all the information I have, all the empirical information and clinical data that we have, there could be a, a potential treatment here mm-hmm. based on your, your molecular biomarker assay that may be a game changer. Mm-hmm. So even from the very early stages of her diagnosis, and I believe I actually remember our first visit together. And uh, it was emotional and it was powerful. And, sure. and, and, you know, it's one of the hardest things we do as clinicians in, in cancer. But I, I think it, it, I know it touched me and I believe it touched her that we talked about, you know, having that hope yeah, that of there may be something in, that science could tell us more about her tumor by digging deeper within the tumor from a scientific perspective, looking for specific biomarkers or actionable molecular targets, mm-hmm. especially due to the fact that she was female, and a never smoker. So what did treatment look like for Miss Melissa? Sure. So right, uh, so from the get-go, it was most important to control her, um, her, her CNS disease or her brain metastasis, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost, because that's something that can be catastrophic if you don't get a handle on it. Sure. So first things first, we um, put her on corticosteroids to prevent any type of brain swelling or edema and limit, limit symptoms. And uh, she went straight to radiation therapy. Okay. And again, interestingly enough, as she, uh, you know, described so well, this was out of the blue, literally. This was like um, something coming from outer space, for, sure. for lack of a better way of saying it, because sure. this was a healthy woman, never smoker, and to, you know, present with this type of advanced disease was was quite a shock. Mm-hmm. I just remember, Dr. Franz, the first time you came into the room, you had my CAT scan results in your hand, and both my daughters, my husband, and myself were in the room. When you walked in the door, you said, well, the person that I'm looking at their test results looks like they might have three to six months to live, but I don't see that person in this room, and who's the patient? 
That's right. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it was just, it's like you're one day, you're alive, and the next day somebody says, you know, that you're going to die because your symptoms are so advanced. Sure. And it's like, how can that possibly happen to go from relatively healthy to be on a death's door? Because sure. Because literally that's what it was. It's, of course, a, a very scary thing as well. Yes. In my scope of doing podcasts, I've interviewed several people who are physicians at Kirkland Cancer Center or over at Jackson General, and uh, I've heard a lot of people say this one phrase when that phrase typically is early detection. So can you talk about how important that is for people, whether they know they have cancer or not? It is it is important. Um, it's especially important with respect to Melissa and her, her malignancy that she that she presented with, lung, uh, non-small cell lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And But the problem with, with Melissa's situation um, specifically was that she wasn't the typical type of person that we would expect to get lung cancer. Sure. Uh, being a never smoker, non-smoker, no significant secondhand exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in a very small subset of patients uh, for people who are higher risk. Mm-hmm. So those are folks who have, you know, a 20 plus year pack year history of, of tobacco use. Okay. Um, you know, there are guidelines that we, that we've used now for quite a while that uh, using, um, uh, different uh, types of imaging, low dose CT scan that of the chest. Uh, so for folks who are between ages of 50 and 80 who have at least a 20 pack year history or who have quit within 15 years or less, you know, it's recommended that they can undergo a high risk protocol with a low dose CT scan to look and, you know, help stratify folks who may have suspicious lesions so you can achieve early detection Mm -hmm. because you know the fact of the matter is most lung cancer especially non-small cell lung cancer is found at later stage and it affects survival it affects outcomes so earlier detection stage one stage two people do better and they live longer with improved morbidity and mortality Mm -hmm. so you know the screening that is now done for folks at higher risk, as I just previously described, has shown a reduction in morbidity and mortality. And payers are on board with that, and they will pay for these tests because the screening, you know, is is pricey on, at, at at the population level. Mm-hmm. So, where are you at now with your cancer journey? No active sign of disease. That's amazing. <laughs> for a good while now. That's amazing. And when did you get first get that news of no active well, disease? Well, it was kind of controversial. I think with the lungs, it's probably been maybe two years since there's been any changes. He'd have to go back and look. It mm-hmm. was early on, they just started dissolving. Mm-hmm. And there was some controversy about the brain because the radiologist felt that it was continued to metastasize. Mm-hmm. But um, my other oncologist, who's my radiation oncologist, he was adamant that it was scar tissue. It was two different areas in my brain that had to be radiated. And so he uh, went with the margins. Mm-hmm. He radiated the tumor and all the way around. So it was in his opinion that it was scar tissue that was presenting that looked like metastasis. Gotcha. And so that was kind of a discussion back and forth for maybe almost a year. Sure. Uh, before the radiologist and he agreed that it was indeed just scar tissue. And as far he told me that he sent my brain scans off to be tested because it's kind of an anomaly uh, the way that it all worked out and it sure. helped other people keep from having to have brain surgery mm-hmm. because if we had have gone with what they initially thought then I would have had to have had my brain cut into in two different areas. Wow. 
And so I was so thankful for him to not agree you know, because of his clinical expertise. Right, of he course. Just did not, and too, because of my symptoms. I was asymptomatic mm-hmm. you know, neurologically. I had no evidence, no clinical evidence to support that it had metastasized to mm-hmm. the extent that they thought that it had. Wow. So it's been a good while. We'd have to go back and figure out the dates, but it was fairly quick mm-hmm. on the journey to being no active sign of disease. Wow, that's amazing. And you're feeling good? Yes. Good. I am, uh, there's, you know, fatigue. There's, uh, you know, a few side effects. But in light of everybody else and what they go through mm-hmm. for cancer, I really don't even feel the need to even complain or say anything negative. Sure. It's been miraculous. Well, we're happy that you have the outcome that you have. That um, that's not always the case for everyone, and I'm glad that you're right. doing well. So that's Blessed. amazing. Absolutely. So, what made you want to come to Kirkland Cancer Center as opposed to maybe going somewhere else? Well, really, I I'll just tell you this: my father had lung cancer, mm-hmm. but his was from smoking. Okay. And he started his radiation therapy in the old hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the hospital, <laughs> and it was in the basement. So mm-hmm. then his second treatment was here at Kirkland Cancer Center at the new facility. So I tell everyone it was like going from the dungeon to the castle. <laughs> and that's how you <laughs> that's felt a, because that's you know, a with good... you having a cancer diagnosis sure. and you're having to go to the basement of the hospital, like the morgue, I mm-hmm. mean, just psychologically, you know, it, and, and too, just the environment, yeah, surrounding the environment and everything. It, when you walked in, it gave you hope just walking in the doors of mm-hmm. Kirkland Cancer Center. And I just want to say thank you right now to Allison Carl Kirkland. I have met them since my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, there's no way that anybody could ever give them thanks enough. I know that the Lord will bless them eternally oh, for yeah. the investment that they've made. It's just, it's remarkable. Absolutely. And so just my experience with my father mm-hmm. in coming here. And I actually had a friend who worked for... Kirkland Cancer Center at the mm-hmm. time, and she's the one that recommended Dr. Franz to me. Okay. And I've since recommended several patients sure. to him. Sure, of course. For care. So, Dr. Franz, can you tell me a little more about her specific type of cancer? Absolutely. Great question. That's really the whole crux of the matter here. So, as we were talking before, you know, Mel- Melissa has a very strong faith, and she knew that her situation was dire. Mm-hmm. She had a large disease burden, and she was looking at a very serious prognosis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both of us put our heads together and had some very substantive conversations with her and her husband and our family. And I immediately sent a comprehensive genomic lung cancer panel looking for specific biomarkers. Okay. Main biomarkers I, I was looking for was um, EGFR m- mutation for non-small cell lung cancer. And lo and behold, she had the mutation. She mm-hmm. had an exon 19 mutation. I'll never forget that conversation with her. We had found the, you know, the quintessential needle in the haystack. Sure. This is found in about 10 to 15% of all lung cancers. Wow. And t- patients are typically or almost universally non or never smokers. They're oftentimes female and they're oftentimes of Asian descent. About 40 to 60% of folks with this mutation are of South or East Asian descent and about mm-hmm. 10 to 20% are from our, our Caucasian. So again, you know, we're talking about a small subset of, of folks with lung cancer, sure. non-small cell lung cancer that have this biomarker, mm-hmm. this, this specific abnormality. And it's a weakness. Um, it's a druggable mutation. And we put her on a pill, mm-hmm. um, a, very, a, a highly targeted agent called osimertinib. And, you know, there was obviously even a little bit in, she was very open to this. She was very happy. I was very happy. The family was happy. But at the same time, 
she um, at this point was relatively uh, asymptomatic and she had some concerns about the toler- tolerating this agent and fortunately she tolerated it really well we mm-hmm. found that you know after a few weeks had adjusted to the medication and on restaging imaging down the road a few a few months we sh- saw significant improvement in her disease burden mm. can you tell me what it was like just coming in to uh, receive treatment i assume you went through chemotherapy no uh, you didn't? No, this oh, was amazing. a targeted therapy. It was okay. an oral medication that you take one pill a day. That's okay. Right. See, I'm so learning. I'm, we, I'm we, non, we can put that in there. That's important. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm non. I'm non-clinical. So, like, okay. when I talk to people who we are, can, we can talk about this. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you didn't have to go through the chemotherapy. No, as which, matter of fact, as advanced as what I was, I'd already determined I would not put myself or my family through yeah. that. And even with the discussion with Dr. Franz, because of the progression of the disease, you know, he basically agreed with me, as did my family physician from the get-go, because he said, you will, you might live a couple of months longer, mm-hmm. but you won't have any quality of life. Sure. You'll be alive, and, you know, essentially. You, yeah. And that's not true for everybody, so I don't want to turn everybody off on chemotherapy because everybody's journey is different of course of course but uh for me that was just an avenue i did not i was not prepared to go sure and that's valid when he told me about uh this medication which is supposed to just increase your time a little bit and give you a little bit more quality mm-hmm. of life i think it's kind of rare uh for the disease to totally dissolve yeah i know that god had a hand in that of course for sure i guess when you think or when i being non-clinical i think of a cancer diagnosis that automatically means you're going through chemotherapy no matter what. So it's encouraging to me to hear that that's not necessarily always the case. Right. And as far as my brain, I only had to have one treatment of radiation to the brain. Really? And uh, to my hip, I only had to have five treatments of radiation wow. to the hip. And that's why I agreed to do that. In one week, I was done with mm-hmm. radiation. So it was every day. You came every, for every day for the week. One day for the brain and then every day for the week for the hip. Wow. And then that was done. Yeah. So what that, was that took care of those? What was that radiation like? Well, Again, I'm going to have to put my faith in on this because you have to understand they put a mold, made a plastic mold of my head. Okay. And then they laid me on the table and then they vice gripped my head to the table. And then they also made a mold of my teeth and my mouth, like Mm -hmm. for ball players. They made a mold. They put that in there and then they secured that to a halo over my head so there was no how, no way that I could move Mm -hmm. a fraction of an inch. And most people would have been claustrophobic sure. and I know a lot of people probably have to be sedated mm-hmm. and I tell you I felt like I was at the spa what? and that is the absolute wow. truth I lay there in complete perfect peace I had mm-hmm. no anxiety at all I was just resigned to that all my days were written in a book before I was ever born sure and that God had a plan for my life and that I had a destiny to to fulfill yeah and i knew that i wasn't going anywhere no matter what the diagnosis on the page said mm-hmm. uh, until i'd fulfilled my destiny and if i had fulfilled my destiny then i was ready to meet my maker yeah. and i knew the lord but you know he's used all this as part of my destiny sure. really it of opened course. a whole entire new chapter of my life mm-hmm. and i don't know i just had peace that passes all understanding just yeah. like they talk about in the bible yeah that's what wow. i experienced with that that's that's amazing that, that's really really awesome it was awesome. It's not what you'd expect at all. Right. So so if you had to say you had a friend that you knew was starting their cancer journey uh, and they were still looking for where they wanted to receive health care from, uh, what would you tell them to maybe try to convince them to come to Kirkland? 
Well, all I have to do is tell my story. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is talk about Dr. Franz and my uh, radiation oncologist and the care that I've been given here. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, it's because th- they understand fully that faith really does play a role. Sure. In your overall well-being, mm-hmm. and really, I believe your prognosis. And so they were open to me saying that, okay, it's not my time. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if it is, then I'm gone. You know, if even now, I would say, you know, if tomorrow's my day, see you later. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I, I accept that He has my future in His hands. Yeah. The only thing I say is, don't suffer. Don't let me suffer. And I know that uh, Dr. Franz will ensure that to the best of his ability, that I don't suffer if it comes to that. Sure. That's all I ask. I know there's medication because of what I've done for a living. Yeah, there's ways to be helped nowadays. Mm-hmm. There's uh, no reason someone should have to suffer unduly. Sure. They just have to reach out. You know, I worked for a doctor for years, and we used to have a sign on the door on in each exam room that says, we treat, but Jesus is the one that heals. Mm-hmm. So there's a role that medication plays, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. You have to work with with the knowledge that God gives you. Mm-hmm. And what I always say is I did, I'm doing my part and Jesus has already done his part so we can expect a miracle. Yeah. And that's my motto. That's a great motto so, to live by. I love that. I don't say my cancer. I have cancer. Mm-hmm. I don't say any of those things. I have said it, but I've repented over it. Just, you know, <laughs> my cancer medicine, it's not my cancer. I'm not receiving this cancer. I have been diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't identify myself as cancer. I don't know how else to put that. I say, I know that's my diagnosis, but that doesn't mean that's my destination yeah, that doesn't or make my you end who you point are. or whatever. Yeah, sure. It doesn't define who I am. And I've, I would tell anybody that. I mean, yes, you've got that diagnosis. That's obvious. It's on the paper. I've, I have my radiology license as well. Mm-hmm. And so I saw when I was getting my biopsy, you know, I could see the tumors. Right, you know, there's sure. no di- denying that the tumors were there. Sure. You know, I saw the CAT scan. I saw the brain scan, the hip scan. That's the fact that it was there, but I don't have to receive it as mine. It's not mine. I'm rejecting it, right. in other words. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm rege- and I've, you know, even prayed over my own self, you know, to uh, giving it eviction notice. You, know, you can leave <laughs> sure. my body. You know, the right. price has been paid for me to be healed, and that's what I received. Mm-hmm. And, you know, multiple people from all over the community prayed for me. I said it was like a roar that went to heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and God heard it. And, you know, he gave Dr. Franz wisdom and led him to direct him on what tests to do for yeah. me. And then gave me the wisdom to do what he says. Yeah, that's <laughs> so amazing. So that makes sense. And yeah, of course. So we've really had a miraculous outcome. I'm glad to hear that outcome today. That's, that's really amazing. Just so grateful that Melissa's doing so well and living her best life yeah. with her loved ones and uh, doing the things she loves to do. It's, it's such a, a blessing to be a part of that. Thank you so much, Dr. Franz. You're welcome. This is amazing. I'm so glad to meet both of you. Uh, I've been wanting to meet you for a while. I've heard a lot about you, so I'm uh, glad to finally could. I'm glad to meet you as well. Nice you. you. know, cancer is not the, the word that people want to hear when it comes to their own health, but I'm glad that your story has the ending that it does. So. And it's, it's available for anybody out there. Don't Absolutely. give up hope because sure. your story's not over. You just turned over a new leaf, a mm-hmm. new chapter. But it's not the end of the story. doesn't have to be the end doesn't of the story. doesn't have to be. Yes, ma'am. Well, this has been amazing. Uh, again, it's an honor to meet both of you. And uh, listeners, if you if you know that you're going to be seeking health care for cancer treatments, you know, look no further than Kirkland Cancer Center. We treat all kinds of cancers, I, I, kinds that I've never even heard of. There's no reason to go to Memphis or Nashville or, or elsewhere when you have the care that we have, the quality that we have right in your backyard. So thank you guys again so much for coming in today, and I really appreciate it. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of We Talk Health. <laughs>